you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, the podcast where two idiots try to galaxy brain every episode of MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we're going to get ready to do this thing. We are, and lots of uh, ambient noise is going to happen because we just moved to Chicago. We did just move to Chicago, so if there's any of our wolf pack who lives out here and, um, no, I don't I don't want to see you guys. <laughs> I love the concept of us having a wolf pack, though. That's fun. That's what I call everybody on Twitter. Um, nice. Our pack is, I feel, small but mighty at this current juncture. Like the McCall pack. Yes. Um, thank you to everybody who left reviews on iTunes. They were really sweet for the first episode. We were really happy to see those. Um, it made our, our sweet little wolf hearts sing or I may, howl. I may have cried a little bit at work at one of them. Yeah. You know who you are. You know who you are. The person who wrote the really nice one. Yeah. You're the best. We love you. Big up. Personal shout out. Um, so we are back to talk about episode two, which is called A Second Chance at First Line. It was written by Jeff Davis and directed by Russell McCahey, not unlike the first episode. And they actually aired two days apart when they came out. That makes no sense. I feel like if you're going to do that... You air them on the same day. Yeah, you do a back-to-back. Yeah. Or, like, you know how they used to do, or sometimes shows still do this, where they do, like, a two-hour first episode and last episode? Mm -hmm. Why didn't they just do that? It was 2011? It was 2011. I actually don't remember this happening. I remember watching the first episode. I don't remember watching the second one so immediately. If anybody remembers that time and has thoughts on how (laughs) strange that was, please share. Let us know. Um... Why would you do it on the se- on the day after? I would I would forget, like legitimately forget to watch the second episode. Yeah. They'd be like, stay tuned tomorrow. And I'd be like, mm, definitely not. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I did, I, apparently. But this was, again, eight years ago. So it's so long ago. Um, so we're just going to get right into it and do our quick recap of the episode. We each have a minute on the clock. Julia, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, I want you to go first. Okay. Please hold on. Wait a minute. Alarm. Uh, timer. One. One minute. Okay. One Ready minute. Yep. And go. So at the beginning of the episode, Scott tells Styles about Allison's dad being a hunter, and then they go to lacrosse practice, and Scott's like totally freaking out. And Jackson and Coach Finstock both yell at Scott. So then he transforms into a werewolf on the field, and then has to like run away and then he styles tells him he can't play in saturday's game because of his anger and he doesn't want him to like turn into werewolf and kill people then derek stalks scott and yells at him about shifting on the field and is like you can't reveal us and then scott tells coach finstock he can't play and then finstock tells him he has to or else he won't be on first line anymore then allison tells scott she's coming to the game so like added pressure and then lydia threatens to introduce Scott to other dudes if Scott doesn't play. So Scott's like, what do I do? I'm going to kill people. So finally Scott confronts Derek and then smells blood in his by his house and realizes something's buried there. So then they go to the morgue and they sniff the half of the body that they found in the woods and they realize it's the same scent. Um, and then Derek gets arrested and Scott gets transformed by Wolfbane and then he plays the game and he doesn't transform to a wolf. Yay. That's one minute. That's one minute? Yeah. Cool. I think we got through it. Oh, we got four. I have, like, so many more notes, um, but I realized I was, like, reading them, and then I was, like, only halfway through, and I saw I had five seconds on the clock, and I was like, bah! And that happened. But, you know, it's, this was not a, an episode where, like, so many things happened in such a short chunk of time, like. It was a little better paced, I thought. It was better paced, and it also makes a hell of a lot more sense than episode one. Like, episode one is so much exposition and, like, explaining stuff that this one's more like a standard episode. Yeah. A standard 45-minute fair. That you could easily condense into a minute, as we have we have done. Does that mean I still have to do it? Yeah, you still have to do it. All the plot points. You, you, have to, you have to hit all the shit I missed. Okay. Um, are you ready? Are you feeling ready? I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling really hot. Guys, it is 90 (laughs) degrees in the city of Chicago right now, and we do not have air conditioning. We were not prepared for it uh, at all. No. No. Okay, are you ready to be in the hot seat, even hotter than you already are? I guess so. Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. One, two, three. Okay, so um, Scott's playing lacrosse like he usually does. He's really freaked out about the fact that Allison's dad is a hunter um, and kind of loses it on the lacrosse field because he gets yelled at. 
Styles tells him that he can't play in tomorrow's game. Is it tomorrow? I have no idea the concept of time on this show. Um, he tries to get out of it by going up to um, Bobby Finstock. We learn that his brother is a meth addict. That's wild time. Um, Derek yells at him. This is just a big episode of Scott being yelled at. He finds out that Allison is coming to the game, and he really, really wants to impress her. Not only that, but his mom is coming, so there's just a lot of pressure coming there. Um, there's a disastrous practice, blah, blah, blah. Um, they find the rest of the dead body at Derek's house after having going there and sniffing blood. Um, Derek gets arrested by Sheriff Stalinsky, um, but then ultimately after the game where Scott doesn't, sort of loses it, he gets released from jail, and that's kind of where we end up. Dun, dun, dun. And missed a whole lot. No, you got, you did really well. Okay, great. You actually, and you ended right on the minute. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I think you also did some good, like, I feel like I was really focused on, like, Plot the points. teen drama aspect, whereas you were, like, the legal issues <laughs> of finding a body in someone's yard. Half of one. Half of a body. It's a wolf when they first find it, which is what's kind of interesting and gross. Mm, super gross. Um, yeah. I don't know what's grosser, the prosthetic dead body or the prosthetic dead wolf. I really, the dead body is real disgusting. It's nasty. It's very gruesome. It's, I, this episode has a real horror film, like, feel to me, where the music is really playing that up, and then you have, like, the grotesque, that shot on her face lingers for a long time, like, much longer than it needs to, and you're just kind of like, ah. Something I think Teen Wolf does really well is actually the body horror aspect of the show, because at no point does it kind of shift away from its PG-13 rating, mm -hmm. but it does also kind of find a way to, like, keep the stakes high enough. Where, like, you know when you watch, like, a like um, a movie that's, like, a teen movie or whatever, and, like, somebody gets really hurt, but they only end up with, like, three stitches? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it, it doesn't actually, it, it lowers how it, like, how you process it when you're watching somebody get really injured, whereas, like, Teen Wolf doesn't hold back, and people just wander through this show just, like, covered in blood and guts. And I think that yeah. that makes, I think it keeps the stakes raised. And I also think it is gross and fun. And also, I think all of Teen Wolf is aiming to be like a horror comedy. Yeah, and I appreciate that because there's not a lot of that in the world. No, there's not. More. And there's also not a lot of horror comedy directed for like 14 year olds. <laughs> it's true. It's like intro to horror comedy is Teen Wolf. And then you can graduate to Heather's. Yeah. Once you're done. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show is grad school. <laughs> Oh. Um, so I think we just want to dive right into what we want to talk about in this episode. And this episode we both watched through the theme of suspicion, yes. which happens in a lot of different areas, both in regards to the supernatural, but also in like interpersonal ways. I think a lot of being a teenager is like ha being suspicious of people and having people be <laughs> very suspicious of you. And, um, yeah, what, do you, what were your kind of big moments of noticing suspicion in the episode this week? Um, <clears throat> well, Scott's mom, uh, Mom McCall, accuses him of being on drugs. Or not even accuses, but is like, are you on drugs? Which I feel like is a really drastic thing to go to if your son is just kind of depressed, sitting on his bed. Um, and obviously there's the suspicion of um, Derek that he might not be exactly what he seems or they, they honestly don't even know what he is or what he's done or what he's capable of and that is what leads them to digging up a dead body in his yard um there's a moment where uh scott gets hit by a car specifically allison's dad's car and they came like, around for the double tap <laughs> <laughs> you see this moment in uh you know, in his face where he just kind of, like, cocks his head to the side and is like, why is this, why did I just hit this boy? What is he doing here? And he clearly doesn't buy Scott's I was just dropping by to say hello excuse, which is why he decides he's going to go to the cross game. Yeah. To watch Scott. I think the suspicion between Chris Argent and Scott even maintained steady throughout the show once they're on the same side, mm -hmm. but is specifically very, very, um, like, pal like, palpable in the first season. And we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming episodes once, um, uh, um, what is her, his sister's name? Kate. Kate. 
I wanted to say Jill, but that's the actress's name. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Once Kate is introduced, I think in the next episode, we start to see like very distinct, like deep, kind, like the mm-hmm. deep lingering J.R. Bourne gaze at Scott of being like, yeah. I don't trust you. Which in his world, he has no reason to. Because once he kind of figures it out, it's it's something that is is very um, kind of, it is what makes them nemesises. Nemeses. Nemeses? Nemesi. Nemesi. I think nemeses is the plural. Sure. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. I went to Michigan. (laughs) Yes. We both have a a diploma from there, if you can believe it. Um, I can't believe it. No. We made it out somehow. Yeah. The suspicion that I actually find most interesting in this episode is Jackson's suspicion of Scott. Because we talked a little bit in the last episode about how Jackson is, like, a clinical dumbass. Yep. But there is enough about, I think it is It is not Jackson's, like, strength of intelligence, but rather his ambition that fosters that um, suspicion of Scott, where Jackson is somebody who is so desperate to be successful that he can't trust other people to do it without being, without kind of having um, help, because he is somebody who would take any help to get it, which is mm-hmm. why he wants so badly to get the werewolf bite, as we see later. Um, but his suspicion of Scott, I find really interesting, and it, it is, I think, a really kind of, really kind of important thing to end the episode with him picking up the glove with the claws through it, which is just like so Bloody. lame, but so good <laughs> because it kind of shows to you that like Jackson is always on the lookout for things like that, and that creates a really interesting dynamic of, of between him and Scott, where Scott doesn't even really understand that Jackson, like, is coming to these conclusions that Scott is a werewolf or a su- supernatural something. in some way. Yeah. he. I think he knows that there is something, like, I, I guess the term would be magical. And so Jackson mm-hmm. is suspicious of Scott without Scott even fully comprehending what Jackson has picked up on. There's just so much for Scott to consider in this episode that, like, Jackson is really pushed to the background of his thoughts of the episode, really. Um, you know, and it's funny because you're saying that, and I'm like, God, Jackson, a Slytherin, if there ever was one. Truly a Slytherin. Which almost seems too obvious given what happens to him in later seasons, but, like, wow. Yeah. Ambition being number one. Mm-hmm. Um we should we should come back to that the Hogwarts sorting. Her we'll do a mini sewed mini sewed everybody in Very the fun. yeah, um, and it's funny because Jackson is actually one of the few Slytherins we encounter. I think Lydia is a Slytherin. You don't think she's Ravenclaw? She's a genius. Certified. She is a genius, but I feel like okay, so for. Putting people into two houses, she's a Slitherclaw, but I do think that her her ambition gets in front of her intelligence because she doesn't want anyone to know that she's smart because it would get in front of her being like a popular hot girl at school and that's like truly what she feels will bring her success, question mark? I don't know. Is that ambition or is that like, like logic where Lydia is like, I understand that I will be treated this way if I reflect this part of my personality. Therefore, I will prioritize a hmm. different part of my personality. Well, that just makes her seem like Spock. And? You say, like, it's a bad thing. I, d- I would never disrespect Spock no, we... in that way. All right, so now we're going to talk about who is each Star Trek character. <laughs> Stick around for the next 45-minute discussion <laughs> on that. Um... I'm kidding. We're not that no, nerdy. We would, we we're not. Be. I mean, we are, but we're not going to make you listen to that. Yeah, I'm that'll be a so different, sorry. worse minisode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's real. Um. Okay, so we've got suspicion. Is there anything else that you noticed that kind of ran through the episode? I think um, when which comes along with um, suspicion is sneaking. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of sneaking about. I don't know, maybe, like, what stealthy... Like, I don't really know how to, how to put this, but, like, so much of the suspicion is earned because of the way that the characters are trying to negotiate their newfound conflict. Like, Scott it has to act kind of shady because he now has a, a separate life that he mm-hmm. didn't originally have. And it is the separate life that is causing him to kind of 
give, you know, half answers. Instead of being like, no, mom, I'm not on drugs. This is happening to me. He has to look at her and be like, are you on drugs? <laughs> which I think is a great moment because I think everybody's had moments with their parents where they're like, did you do this when you're growing up? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Did you do this when you were my age? <laughs> and the answer is probably yes. Cause everybody like, if there's just those things of being like 15 or whatever. Um, yeah. But no, so it, it is, it is, all of the suspicion is inspired by the sneaking. And it's not even just like the, like, kind of styles pretending to read a pamphlet about <laughs> menstruation in the hospital kind of sneaking. It's also like actual, like, like stalking. Derek is stalking Scott That's throughout the first part of the episode. Terrifying. And Scott also, in a way, like, his, he stalks Allison. He, he does the exact same thing. His, the, the suspicion he, receives from Chris is earned because he is on their roof peeping through a window <laughs> at Allison. Yeah, and that moment uh, brings me to something that I was noticing throughout the episode, which is like the theme of reflection and also Scott trying to grapple with this newfound personhood that he has because he's a completely different person than he was like, what, three or four days ago before he was a werewolf or however long it took in between the first episode to this episode, because time is wacky in Beacon Hills. Um, but he, like, he sees his reflection in the window when he is going to see Allison. For what reason? We're not entirely sure, because he's, like, wolfed out, and, you know, she's someone that he wants to see, but, like, is he going there to, you know, hurt her? Hurt her? Or is this, like, like animalistic, like, pretty like, girl? Finding? Yeah, that was a question that I had. And then, like, she closes... Or she, like, moves away from the window and he sees his reflection and he has that moment of, like, oh, my God. Like, what am I? What have I become? Yeah. And he has another moment like that in uh, the locker room after the lacrosse game. Um, and, you know, later on he, he learns to accept this, but it's a huge moment of him being like, this is a real part of my life. It's not something that I can just forget about or move on and I can't have a normal life because this is what I what slash who I am. I want to talk about the reflection bit about him seeing himself and like being like, like monster becoming self-aware because mm -hmm. that is, I mean, a, a trope older than time as yeah. far as science fiction is concerned. I'm actually pretty sure there is a scene in Frankenstein, the OG science fiction book where Frankenstein's monster, Adam yeah. creation looks at himself and sees what he is and is repulsed by his image. Of course. If there isn't, there should be. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure there is. <laughs> pretty sure there I is. mean, I'm going to say this. I'm also going to give my time to set myself some time to edit it out because <laughs> I might just sound like a... You know what? Maybe I'll, I'm going to leave it in and you guys can decide whether or not I'm dumb. I read it in ninth grade, man. I was reading Frankenstein when I was watching Teen Wolf. <laughs> I really also hated Frankenstein. Um, that had more to do with my 10th grade English teacher, so... Um, yeah, I thought the reflection was really really interesting because that, that's a lot of what this show is about like looking inwards to yourself and like trying to understand your own motivation um which other characters have to grapple with later um beep a doop but also i think that scott doesn't he doesn't necessarily have a reaction where he's like why would you do this to me but he mm. is kind of repulsed by the idea that he is now someone who is dangerous yeah. What are some other good things we see in this? Uh, can we talk about some dumb things? Some dumb things, yes. Back to reflection. When he sees himself in the mirror and he punches the mirror out, a piece of the mirror flies, like, the, the sh it shatters. A piece of the mirror flies behind him, but you still see Scott reflected in it. There is an uncanny amount of cheese in this episode. I truly love it i do too so much it it was just one of those things where i was like who when they were editing this they were like you know what will look dramatic or was that intentionally <laughs> dumb um because that would be that's dumb by 2011 standards too i i mean these first couple episodes are the writers and the editors and the directors trying to decide what the hell this show is yeah and so if you keep making those choices eventually you'll settle on some kind of aesthetic I think it's interesting, though, that all of the seasons have very distinct aesthetics. Yeah, this one's just gray. This one's just gray. 
That's what happens when you film something in winter in Georgia where you don't get snow, so it's just gray. It's just And then, like, extra gray tone it in editing, which yes. must happen because it's, it's unbelievable. It is. Yeah, I know. I, it's funny because I thought that was just the pilot when we watched it, and now that I've been rewatching, I'm like, did I just ignore the fact that nobody has worn a single warm, like, a, a jewel tone? No, not a <laughs> single one. They made, they managed to make the maroon on the lacrosse jerseys look sad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but it's like, maroon is a great color. It's warm, it's cozy, and it just looks depressing. It does. Instead of it being maroon, it's like navy red. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, oh, there's a siren. There was, yeah. Sorry, fam. Welcome to Chicago, everybody. Yeah, this is wildly, vastly different from where I just was. Yeah? Um, yeah, if you heard a siren, it was like, what is happening? I need to go. Something bad is happening. Yeah. Um, um, but no, in regards to the, the cheesy stuff, mm-hmm. the also something that really made me kind of like, that was, who was like, yeah, we should do this, is when Scott is pulling up the Wolfsbane rope. Mm-hmm. And in the spiral, the spiral glows. It glows. And my question is, was that the editors telling you, like, showing you what the shape is? Or was that something where it actually glowed and Scott and Styles just didn't notice the ground beaming red? You know, I think that it probably was just the editors being like, pay attention to this shape because it becomes important. And you don't even realize that for like several seasons afterwards, like the spiral and what it means to the Hale family. Well, he... Slash other weird. No, no, no. Well, Eric, Derek explains in this season. Oh, he does. Yeah. Derek explains that it means revenge. Yeah. But we don't see Wolfsbane really glowing any other time, do we? No, we don't. And we also experience different effects of Wolfsbane. Like, Wolfsbane never has one singular effect on the werewolves in this I think there are different kinds of Wolfsbane. Yeah. Just, like, from the plant world. Um, so that might be what it is. Um, yeah. What's funny is, and I want to talk about this because it is so, in regards to suspicion, going back, when they find... The body. They pull up the spiral. It transforms Laura back into a, a person. Because we find out in this episode that the body is Laura Hale. Mm-hmm. Derek's sister. Super sad. Life sucks for Derek. <laughs> they, who, Styles and Scott, who have at this point been so desperate to show the world that Derek is, a, is up to no good. They call the police. They get him arrested. And then Styles takes... The one piece of evidence that would have Derek's DNA on it to actually convict him. Because the what we hear at the end of the episode <laughs> is that the coroner only finds wolf hair on the mm-hmm. body. So they decide that it is an animal attack. The thing that would have gotten Derek at good and true, like, put behind bars would be the fiber analysis of the rope with the wolfsbane on it. Because it would have been covered in, like, not necessarily fingerprints, but, like, skin and hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Styles, who's supposed to be the genius of this show, puts it in his backpack after seeing what it did to the dead body of Werewolf, puts it in his backpack and is like, Scott will be fine. Like, there was no... I, I know a lot of Teen Wolf is based in the idiot plot, where, like, things will not happen unless somebody makes a really dumb mistake, but Styles consistently isn't supposed to be making those mistakes. It's usually Scott, it's usually the other people, and then Styles is the one who's... A lot of Styles' characters being like, I believe this, everyone being like, you're overreacting. Yeah. And then him being right, and I don't understand why. I think when one thing of Scott was like, maybe we should take this and, you know, whatever. But, like, there was no discussion. It was very weird to me. You know, and it's funny because other times that Wolfsbane is, like, used or mentioned in the show, like, the werewolves have a visceral reaction to it, like, immediately. And that doesn't really happen um, in this scene because they find it and... Styles is like, oh, I think that's Wolfsbane, but they're so focused on the fact that they've just found this dead body that either they didn't, either Scott didn't notice that it was affecting him, or maybe it was just, like, gonna take a longer time. I don't know. Um, I find it also incredibly funny that um, Styles just throws away his whole backpack. Just launches <laughs> <laughs> it into the woods. <laughs> like, never to see He's it like, again. This bitch contaminated. <laughs> Yeet. Yeet. I hope there was no laptop in there. <laughs> I do think about that, and I really hope not, but knowing Styles, 
there might have been. Yeah. There might have been. I'm making so much noise. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You make as much noise as you want. This is because this is our podcast <laughs> and not yours. <laughs> True. Um. Let's see. I think it doesn't. Derek does not help to alleviate suspicion against him by being like, I don't know, a nice person. Something that I made note of is that Derek, I know we said, I said this last episode too, but again, Derek ne- is never willing to let Scott know what's going on and that consistently bites him in his werewolf ass. Like, he's always like, if, if, if Derek looked at Scott and was like, there is an alpha and I don't know who it is. I need your help. And this is like, this is the person that killed my sister. He looked, Scott would have been like, wow, thank you for making this make sense. Sure, I'll be on your team. But because Derek is busy stalking him, also who's letting Derek within 500 feet of a school when he's doing shit like that? That's a great question. He's such a drama queen. I know. Like when he's standing behind Scott, when he's Skyping Styles, mm-hmm. and like you can see clearly this figure in the back. Also, I had a question about this because when you FaceTime people or you Skype people, you look at yourself. Yeah, you like, never you look at the other person. <laughs> I have never once looked at the other person, but yeah. No. You're busy being like, is there shit in my teeth? Like, Am how's I, my hair? How do I look when I'm talking? Yes, like, exactly. So why doesn't he notice? I was so confused. Like, does... Is Scott actually just that much better than us that he doesn't watch himself on FaceTime? He is a true alpha. <laughs> true alpha. <laughs> Part of being true alpha isn't being like, being like a vain, basic bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I would believe that. That's why I could never be a true alpha. But also, he, Werewolf McWerewolf doesn't have enough wolf sense to be like, there's a human in my room with me yeah. right now. And not just a human, another werewolf. Another werewolf. Derek can't be that quiet. He's like 200 pounds. Odds are his feet make sounds. <laughs> also, I feel like, wasn't his mom home? And he just, I... I mean, I I'm sure so he came questions. in through the window. Because I think he leaves through the window. Because Scott, like, looks around and all of a sudden Derek is, like, gone. gone. But his computer okay. is, like, by the window, is it not? Uh, it's against the wall. I'm sorry I didn't draw a floor plan. <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, the other thing about Scott's room that really bothered me, his doorway is so wide. Like, it's just, is this an actual house? Do I just feel this way because we just moved to an apartment and the doorways are not that wide? Like, I was oh, just, so you're just speaking for really jealousy. <laughs> I, don't, I want wide doorways. I don't know how that would help me in any other circumstance except getting, like, you know, furniture into my room, but I was just like, why is the freaking doorway so large? I fixate on... I was also on NyQuil when I was watching this, so yeah. that might have been it. Um, um, something, but no, I, I, I know I'm going to just bring up Twilight all the time. All the time. But Derek kind of does Edward Scott for this, like, episode. He's, like, following around the person who he knows has something up with them, and mm-hmm. is just casually, like, chilling in their room, coming in through the window, making threatening passes, like... <laughs> I do want you to know that I could not think of a single Riverdale comparison for this episode. Thank God, because Riverdale sucks. It does suck, but I did think of Pretty Little Liars comparison. So, um, just in the ages of the actors, because I was really fixated on that. On how old Crystal Reed was when they started the show. She's like 25. She, okay, no, I wrote, I wrote down the ages. Okay, sure. Holland Roden was 25, which I think actually was what made me think of it initially because I was just watching her put on lip gloss and I was like, there's no way that this person is a teenager. Crystal Reed was 26, Dylan O'Brien and Tyler Posey were both 20, and Tyler Hecklin is 24. He's supposed to be older than all of them, and Colton Haynes is 23. Like, I just, I understand that that is a trope of the teen genre that, It's them labor laws. Yeah, well, I... You know, I feel like they probably could have found a 20-year-old to play Bianca Lawson's role on Pretty Little Liars when she was playing a teenager at 33. Oh, I don't understand. No, I, I know. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of comment on this, and that's why you see, like, like comparisons where people will show an actor as they looked at the actual age they would have been playing. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of unsettling, but I also feel like when you're doing horror 
if these guys, these people looked younger, it would be far more disturbing. Well, that's the thing with Stranger Things, isn't it? Is yeah. that they're all actually 13, mm-hmm. or like It, where they're all 13, 14. I don't know how old yeah. the oldest of them is, but like, I don't know, when you think about it. But It is an R-rated movie, and this yes. is a t- PG-13 teen show. Stranger Things it does not have a rating because it's TV, question mark. Does it have a rating? What's what's the the TV rating system? Like M for mature, or like a video game? Yeah, I don't know. Well, because they <laughs> do that on TV. For teen. <laughs> they do that on TV where it's like, uh, this episode may contain yeah, you know, whatever viewer discretion advised. But I, yeah. I I don't know what the rating system on Netflix is. I don't think they have rules. But yeah, I also I do think, think so. Stranger Things is maybe darker than Teen Wolf. I've not watched it all the I have through, not so. either, so I'm really just making strange assertions. I know that my 14-year-old cousin is really scared of Stranger Things, but she's 14. So, not the best benchmark. Yeah. I made her watch a couple episodes of Teen Wolf, and she was like, it's fine. And I was like, Evie, <laughs> Evie, it's better than fine. It's at least okay. It's at least kind of good. Yes. It is entertaining at the bare minimum. Oh, I have lacrosse trivia. Lacrosse trivia? To share, yes. Please. Because at the beginning of the episode, Coach Finstock tells... Tells Jackson to pick up a long stick, and I did not bother looking that up, so please tell me what the long stick does. Well, okay, so I texted my mom, because my mom used to coach high school lacrosse, and desperately wanted us to play lacrosse. We had, like, baby lacrosse sticks, which I never picked up. But she told me that long sticks are defense, and short sticks are for offense, so that is our lacrosse trivia for this episode. But doesn't Jackson pick up the long stick and then play oh, offense? I don't know. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm think I'm getting confused with the first episode when they're taking shots on the oh, goal. No, no, no. no. He does play defense, and that is how Scott dislocates his shoulder. Yep. Finally found out where he's getting that juice because <laughs> Jackson has to get a cortisol shot because he dislocates his shoulder. I had I don't know what cortisone does. It's a steroid. Oh. And that's the one that you direct, right. that you shoot directly into, like, joints and muscles for, like, back problems and shit. See, that would make sense. I just associate it with cortisone cream. I think it's cortisol. I, I definitely think it's cortisone. I, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody, we'll post a poll on the Twitter. <laughs> Clearly we should have looked this up, but no. No. What, can you tell that we love polls? Because we love polls. We love polls. Um... Um, I'm trying to look through my notes to see what else I wanted. Oh, question. Question that I have for you. Me personally? Yeah, no, tumblr.edu historian. Okay. Um, is this the origin of Steric? This is not the origin of Steric, but we are getting there, I think, in the next episode. Okay. But the scene where Styles can just get Get into a cop car and yell at Derek while he's, like, (laughs) sitting behind the grate is just absurd. I mean... Because the, co- the cop cars are stay locked. Yep. Even, like, yeah, if there's a prisoner in there, the front doors are locked too. Prisoner. A person being under arrest. Yeah. The front doors are locked too, and there are cops everywhere, and nobody's like, hmm, that young boy <laughs> just got into a car with a man we arrested for murder. He has, like, five <laughs> minutes of talking time with him back there. He does. There's a lot of wild legal stuff that happens in this show. Slash also wild law enforcement things. Like, when Sheriff Stolinski comes to the school and is talking to the principal, and Styles is like, hey, tell me what they're saying, and you hear Sheriff Stolinski saying that they're instituting a curfew, there's only been one body. Like, what? Why are they instituting a curfew? It's not like there's a serial killer running around. It's not like, you know... I guess if they're thinking it's a wild animal attack, but wild animals can attack at any time. Yeah, so they don't know what kind of animal it is. They don't know if it's nocturnal or yeah. So I crepuscular the, or whatever. The fact that he wanted to institute a curfew, I was like, what basis do you have for that? Also, who let you? Like, you're the sheriff, so I guess things don't have to be run. You don't have to run things past anyone. But like, that just seems like a ridiculous use of manpower to enforce a curfew after you find one dead body. Yeah. Maybe one is too much. I don't know. I, feel I like don't know. I feel like sense. dead bodies got found all the time growing up. Next to the what? city of Detroit. 
I guess. People just yeah. be finding bodies. Every day on the news, I'd watch the news, and they'd be like, a body found on Detroit's west side. And I'd be like, yes, the west side, not the east side, where I live. <laughs> um, no, they don't, they don't issue curfews for one body. But also, like, as I was talking about in our pre-show, is something that really weirded me out is that Scott can just walk into the hospital morgue. Mm-hmm. Morgues and hospitals are heavily surveillance. There is a bunch of security in hospitals, all over hospitals. If you've been in any, like, there are areas you can't go for mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy reasons. And Scott is just, like, sneaks into a morgue that is, for some reason, on the first floor of the hospital. Yeah, like, that makes where no people sense. are. And there's no kind of process of him having to, like, punch a... A, a key code or like steal his mom's badge which like li- that later does happen as mm-hmm. Teen Wolf gets more maybe logical where the laws that are broken are broken because the sheriff lets them break them or yeah. the things that happen in the hospital happen because Melissa does this but that doesn't happen in this episode Scott just like walks into a morgue where there are for sure security cameras yeah I mean I don't disagree that like hospitals are highly like, have a lot of security, but it's really interesting because you're talking about that, and I'm just thinking about the time that I had to take one of my students to the hospital because he fell and he hit his head. Howie. Yeah. Poor babe. He's fine. Um, Cool. He's fine. But, like, so I came in with him, and then when his mom came, they didn't need me anymore, and there was no one there to be like, hey, let me show you out of this hospital. So I was just kind of hanging around for when his dad got there because I needed to talk to him, but I literally could have gone pretty much anywhere. And no one would have stopped me. So maybe that's just a comment on Beaumont Hospitals of Michigan, but um, I don't know. I can see other ho- hospital shenanigans happening, but the morgue is like, really? I got yelled at by security because I accidentally walked into like the burn unit. At, <laughs> How you accidentally? Because I was looking for a different burn. I, could, I had a burn yes. at, and I was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally walked into like the four, like the third degree burn clean room, and then really got yelled at because that is bad because I yeah. could have contaminated something. So I mean, there's places that you physically can't go yeah. because you just aren't allowed, like the morgue and like stuff. So morgue. if he was like being like rolling through like the ER, it would have been whatever because any random person could show up <laughs> in the ER. Have you ever been in an ER? Just all God's creatures in the ER. <laughs> I just, it's just an example of, like, lazy writing, and the the thing where Styles is like, hey, Lydia, I, pro- I know you probably don't remember me. I sit behind you in English. They have known each other since third grade. There's no way that she doesn't know who he is, even if she's pretending to be too cool and aloof and above it. Like, she knows who he is, and it's just lazy writing. It is lazy. Also, like, Styles doesn't have to be like, hey, you probably don't remember me. He'd be like, hey, Lydia, did you do the bio homework or whatever? Like, he could just have, like, have you have normal conversations with people you are not friends with in high school but do go to high school with? Like, the people who had lockers next to you, you didn't really know them, but, like, you could be like, hey, how's your day? What's up? Yeah. Well, okay, what really bugs me is that they write stuff like that, but they have time to come up with and then write about Coach Finstock's meth-head brother who gets veneers. That was so (laughs) funny. And something I do want to mention about this particular episode is the way that humor is used. Because some of Teen Wolf humor is slapstick. Like, Mm. there's a lot of, like, sneaking around a doorway, like Disney Channel style. But... But something that is really great about this this episode in particular, but all of Teen Wolf, is how wordy the humor is. Like, the whole thing where Coach Finstock goes off on this monologue about how his brother, like, ha- went, was on meth, and he had these really bad teeth, and this guy was like, what happened? And he goes, he got veneers. Like, that, the, the, that is like an anti-joke that is just so funny and so wonderfully put in there for no reason other than to just establish one Coach Finstock as a weirdo. And, which also introduces the fact that he has addiction in his family, which comes back later. So not lazy writing. Not lazy writing. Or they just remembered it later (laughs) when they were trying to give him something to do. Or the scene when Scott, where Styles is trying to talk down Scott before the game and just does the opposite of that. And he's like, just don't think about the fact that you might kill everybody here. Just don't think about Allison or her dad. Don't think about this. And then he's like, oh, sorry, which is just like un classique of oh, yeah. teen media is somebody saying just the wrong thing before the big game. And I think that this this episode really plays into humor in a really fun, wordy way. Even in the conversation with Scott and Derek in the police car. 
mm-hmm. where like I mean not Scott Styles and Derek in the police car where Styles kind of has this like tough guy moment, but Derek obviously doesn't give a shit because he's like fifteen, yeah, sixteen. He <clears> drives. <throat> Um, but I think humor was really, humor, humor placed alongside suspicion equals peering around a doorway. A good time. (laughs) An episode of Teen Wolf. It is a good, good time. You know what we haven't talked about? What? The kiss! Yeah. Oh. The skeleton kiss. The skeleton kiss. It's the first skeleton kiss. I honestly, I feel like they just kiss a lot, and so I didn't, it didn't register that's the first one. That's the first one. And it is so sweet because Scott just looks at Styles and says, she kissed me, or whatever, or I kissed her, and he, she kissed me back, and Styles is like, proud and also embarrassed of how goofy Scott is being. It was a really good friendship moment. It was. Do you know what that reminded me of, though, was this scene in, um, Ten Things I Hate About You when Cameron goes up to Heath Ledger, whose character name I can't remember, and is like, she kissed me, and... He's Isn't like, it Patrick? Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. And Patrick's like, where? And he's like, in the car. And Patrick's just got this big like, look on his face like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, that felt like a very teen romance, almost like it had been pulled directly from that. Like, the look on Scott's face is identical to the one on Cameron's face when they're having that conversation. Yeah. It's really cute. It's very sweet. Well, something that I really appreciate about Scott and Styles is the lack of competition in who's reaching milestones in their love lives as they mm-hmm. develop as, as teenagers. Like, obviously, Scott uh, Styles has, like, the point later where he's, like, worried that he's still a virgin, but it has nothing to do with his, like, social status as a virgin in high school, which is mm-hmm. the worst plotline of teen media is people being like, I gotta punch it before I turn 17 or whatever. Like, it yeah. is so boring. And also, like, no one in high school actually cares. Like, you had friends who were having sex, but also friends who weren't, and you were just like whatever cool yeah and that is really interesting because i think a lot of like male friendship kind of like bravado-y stuff is basically about like conquest and Mm. that is taken out of their friendship which also means it is not projected on the women in their lives which is a really cool part of teen wolf yeah i love that observation and i also another thing about the scott and styles relationship that i was thinking about this episode is something that scott says and I think this is when they're in the car after they've discovered the body. It could be wrong about the placement of this. But Scott says to Styles, stop enjoying this so much. Because they're talking about, like, werewolfism and not being able to, like, play in the game. And Styles is giving Scott all these instructions. And, like, very gleefully, because this is clearly... Styles has been, like, waiting for something like this to happen, like, something cool and interesting that he can, like, Maybe really... not this in particular. Yeah. But something that is shake up their hometown. They yeah. say it in the first episode, nothing cool ever happens here. Nothing cool ever happens here. And, like, I find that really interesting because that's obviously a point of, like, tension between the two of them where, like, Scott doesn't want to be a part of this world. He would rather just worry about, like, his French test. Does he take French? Did I make that up? Allison takes French. Okay, well, someone's French test. I would assume that Scott takes Spanish. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe Scott doesn't take a foreign language. We'll find out. Um, but he like he would so much rather not be worrying about this. And to Styles, so many other things in his life are not as interesting as this. And this is the one thing that he can like really hone in on. But it's also not his thing. He is an ADHD icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, it gets better when his haircut isn't so terrible, but... True. Yeah. So he can be a hot ADHD <laughs> icon. I just wrote a lot of notes about that. It, well, the weirdest thing is that they didn't let him grow it out for season two. Yeah. It was just consistently bad for a long time. It was. And Dylan O'Brien is so cute, and that was so offensive. <laughs> He's so cute. Um, just adorable. No, but I'm really interested in, in you saying that that was a, a, a point of... Because they are so ride and die that I think when Scott says stop enjoying this, he's a little bit being like, please understand that I'm your friend and I'm in pain. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a and, and Styles obviously does feel, <laughs> Styles is willing to throw his whole backpack out And his whole blazer yeah. later on, which. Thank God, because the blazer, blazer never comes back, which is because <laughs> it was really ugly. <laughs> and why was he wearing it in the first place is a question that I have. No, the blazer and the hoodie was a thing back then. If I find, like, a Teen Vogue from yeah. 2011, we'll find a blazer hoodie combo. We'll, uh, we'll tweet it out to you. I'm not gonna look that hard. No, it's fine. 
So I think this is a good place to switch into our questions and observations, a place where we can ask each other questions about this episode or make observations that don't receive comment and just need to be said. Um, would you like to go first with your questions, with your Q's and O's? My Q's and O's. Oh, um, this is just a very dumb question that doesn't, like, have anything to do with Teen Wolf necessarily, but mostly just about, like, teen media. And I think this might have been what made me think about Pretty Little Liars, but when Allison's walking down the hallway and she's wearing those high heels to school. Did you wear high heels to school? Was that a thing? I think I did. No, but girls did. I didn't yeah. personally because I was not that girl. Not like I'm not like other girls. I just am really bad at walking in heels. Yeah. Um, no, but girls totally did. More to middle school, though. <laughs> you know when you, like, mm. curled your hair and wore a floral skirt in middle yes. school? Yeah. I do. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, did a, I have a lot of observations and not a lot of questions, mostly because I feel like this episode is very clean. It is so much more straightforward yeah. than that. Again, it is it is the kind of the 45-minute episode of a teen show, especially also early in the season mm-hmm. where there's not enough stuff to really get confused by. Yeah. That, that deteriorates pretty quick. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my older sister was saying that she needs this podcast so she can actually understand what she watched for, for like, this many years because, gosh, Teen Wolf gets so confusing. It gets so I'm like, am I stupid or is Teen Wolf stupid? The I, answer I to like, that is frequently both. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah, I think I'm, honestly, I think I brought up a lot of my questions while we were talking, um... What are, what are some of yours? Well, I, my one question is that why doesn't Derek tell them anything? And mm-hmm. my question, this is actually a question for you, because we discussed that it hinders, you know, his life. But my question for you is, what, why does he value, like, what, of what value is it to not tell Scott these things? Um, I honestly think that because of Derek's past, which we don't know much about at this point, but we do know that his family burned to death in a fire and that that was, like, set under suspicious circumstances. Like, I assume he doesn't really trust anyone and he might not see the value in letting Scott in, like, to that situation, like, into all of the inside knowledge that he actually has because he doesn't know Scott and he doesn't know if Scott will be a benefit to him. He doesn't know... If Scott's going to turn around and betray him, although, I mean, Scott's a dummy, so I don't really know why he holds out on him for so long, but I think Derek's mistrust runs really deep, and it's hard for him to pull away from it. That's true, and I think also once you know exactly how, because we find out later that it is Derek's mistrust in Kate that killed his family, Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, I don't know if, I don't necessarily know if that's what they were thinking about when, when kind of establishing Derek's character but it is from early on he has a hard time letting people in I think because it is his letting people in that killed destroyed his family destroyed yeah. his life like his whole life yeah yeah my um, other question is um was why what why did Styles steal the wolf Spain? like what we discussed again that it was stupid but why do you think that he well what was the process um I don't know you know I feel like Styles probably had a really hard time justifying to his dad as to why the heck they were out at the Hale property digging with shovels to, like, in a very specific spot. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like he probably wanted to avoid any questions of, like, how did you know where to dig or, like, you know, how, why are you out here, blah, blah, blah. And I think it might have just been him panicking and being like, this is something that shows that we were here and, like, investigating it. It's not something we just stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might have been it. Interesting. I do want to make a quick note. The, like, the comedic and physical repartee that Lyndon Ashby, who plays the sheriff, mm-hmm. and Dylan O'Brien, who plays Styles, obviously, create so early on, lasts through the entirety of the series, and it is my favorite relationship, I think, in the series is the relationship between Styles and his dad. It is so, like, deeply, like, loving, but also very complicated because mm-hmm. of, you know, his mom and his his kind of... The way that Styles' frequent practice of breaking the law goes against his dad's practice of literally keeping the law as the sheriff of Beacon Hills. There's constant tension, but this string can never break, you yeah. know? I think it's really, really good. <clears throat> I, it's so consistent. I love, love them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, did you have any observations you want to share? Um, yeah, I want to shout out Dylan O'Brien for being on at every possible moment. I made that note too. He is, I mean, we have said this before, Dylan O'Brien carries the show on his back. On he his is back. consistently the best actor. He's like consistently so in character. His comedic timing is so good, so young, mm-hmm. which I mean, you can be, obviously you can be funny at 20 years old, but to yeah. do it so freely and be so un, um, inhibited by, you know, his character by, you know, this being his first big project really like is really impressive. It's, and it's so consistent too. He doesn't really have times where he's like off. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wish I remembered what it was that made me write that down. It was like really near the end of the episode, but it's just like a really quick shot on styles where like he twitches his face in like five different directions based on like what's going on around him. And it is just so authentic the way that he's reacting to everything and it's just like oh yeah. there is there's kind of a way that like younger actors when they're acting without being like going through like serious training and stuff where you all of your acting is based mm-hmm. entirely on impulse not necessarily technique and I think that you do also see he's got good acting technique I'm sure he's taking classes I'm sure I mean every actor is always taking classes mm-hmm. but he is somebody who still has like the very young impulse of doing things so on instinct, yeah. which is what makes him so compelling to watch. I agree, hundred percent. Um, this is the first instance of a Greenberg joke. True. Who Greenberg, a lacrosse player that we never see. I don't think he. I I think Jeff Davis says that Greenberg is a figment of coach's imagination. <laughs> I'm pretty I've sure it is canon that. that Greenberg does not exist, and everyone just kind of lets Coach Finstock be like. Greenberg. Okay, well, I love that concept, but it is the first, uh, Greenberg is the worst person on the lacrosse team, and, uh, we don't know why he's there, or what he did. How is Greenberg on the field, but not Styles? Like, yeah. it's all very... Yeah, it's all very confusing, but it's also one of my favorite recurring yeah. jokes in the show. It is my favorite recurring joke, especially when Coach, I think it's in season three, tells <laughs> Greenberg to lose his number. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I think of when I think of the Greenberg joke. It is so funny. 100%. For being such a background character, like, one, Orny Adams, I think, is really good, which makes it good, but, like, the Teen Wolf writers put more energy into making Coach Finstock interesting than they ever did to, like, making Erica, who is, like, a reoccurring role in season two. That's so real. That is so real. Um, Or Boyd. Like, people who just show up who are, like, supposed to be important or whatever, but, like, Coach who... (laughs) As no nothing to do with the plot actually until later seasons. Yeah, it's just still like you are so excited to see him, and we know a lot about him for mm-hmm. weird reasons, like the meth brother thing. Like the meth brother, yeah. Like the fact that he only has one testicle. <laughs> yeah, I I adore him, and I adore that joke. So I was excited. Yeah. For no, that I was too. really excited too, and that I think. Teen Wolf, as we said, horror comedy, like, it does well to establish itself to bring you back to have moments of joy when things get really dark later. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, they're out in season three, let's flash forward, when they are looking for Styles because they think that he is, like, dead in the woods, that is when when Coach Finstock tells Greenberg to lose his number. Yeah. You know, it's a good balance. I think think Teen Wolf in general is really well balanced. I agree. Do you have any more observations or questions? Um... I do think this might be something we can talk about in a later episode, but um, Lydia is theoretically a popular girl, and we don't really see any of her other friends. They do, in the next episode, sit at a table with a bunch of people that includes, like, Danny and yeah. other popular people. But we don't, we rarely see her interacting with other people, which I think is Yeah, well, she throws her party. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Nothing of substance. But I, I think that Lydia is less supposed to be popular and is more supposed to be a queen with loyal subjects. Mm-hmm. That. So she doesn't really need to be interacting with them because people want to be her, be her friend. Mm-hmm. So she, and her best friend is Jackson and Allison. So she's got two and then everybody else just kind of is like at her coattails. Why would I need more friends? I already have two. Exactly. Which I think is how most people feel. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you, you have, you know, once you have your crew, which can be, doesn't have to be just two. Like mm-hmm. you Having, you know, when, like, somebody is like, I think you guys will really like this person, but it's, like, your friend group, and then they're another person's friend, and, like, the dynamic is inherently, like... Weird. To, to the left. Yeah. Yeah. Why would she yeah. want those other people to be with her when she just wants to hang out with Jackson and watch The Notebook? 
Okay, actually, wait. So real quick before you get to your last observations, per Wikipedia, okay, cortisol is a steroid hormone in the glucocorticoid, I can't pronounce that, science words, class of hormones. When used as a medication, it is known as hydrocortisone. So mm. in a weird way, we were both right. I love it when that happens. I know. So I don't have to resent you later. <laughs> exactly. That's what keeps our friendship slash roommateship going. Resent. <laughs> Not avoiding resent. Oh, okay. Taking the road past resentment. Yes. By using Wikipedia to prove us exactly. both right. Exactly. Yes. Um, so did you have any final observations? Um, kids parenting other kids happens um, a lot. Styles parents Scott um, in a weird way and Lydia parents Jackson but that's also something I want to return to in future episodes so I just wanted to put it out into the universe. Does that not just also happen a lot in real life though? It does and I think it's part of what makes um, Teen Wolf such a good like mm, slice of real life with supernatural elements. Yeah I uh, back to the you know perfectly balanced as all things should be yes. is like the real life mm -hmm. repercussions for the supernatural events. Exactly. Um, I think we're about to close up on questions and observations, so let's get to our pack stats and the alpha of the week. Did you not do observations? I Did I not do observations? I don't know if you did or not. Oh. No. Mayhaps no. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, hold on. You have to suffer through me for a little bit more. Um, my biggest observation I actually already covered and that this this episode was so cheesy. Mm -hmm. The cheese out the wazoo. Just absolute cheese whiz in a can all over this episode. The mirror. The spiral glowing. The lax ball co <laughs> going through the back of the net. Yes. So bonkers cheesy. Yeah. I loved every second of it. And I say cheese with like both annoyance but the utmost respect and adoration for it. It was ridiculously teen- drama yeah with all the love in our heart so much and then i talked about how very how i my other observation was how dialogue heavy the humor is in this mm -hmm. episode and many episodes of teen wolf so i think i actually did make nice. my observations awesome so everyone just had to hear me reiterate it after getting excited to hear pack stats because i'm sure they were you're the one who's editing you have the power you have the power thanks i don't know why i did that i'm sorry i, I can cut it out <laughs> um so our pack sets were actually kind of limited this week. We only saw three, like, look up, look down eye glows. We only had one official claw unfurling, mm -hmm. um, with the exception of a .5 that we counted when Derek claws through the netting in Scott's lacrosse stick, which he just redid, as we know, for the first episode. So Speaking that's of nice. the cheese factor. So cheesy. Mm -hmm. Um, we only had, I think, one instance with a shirt taken off, and that was at the beginning of the episode, unless yeah. I miscounted, which I, I don't think, think I did. And then we didn't see any ads, although if you noticed an ad that we missed, let us know. It's entirely possible. They're sometimes sneaky and sometimes not. I feel like most of the time. Mostly not. <laughs> Honestly, the fact that nobody ever holds up, like, a Reese's and, like, looks at the camera and, like, smiles it's is great. Wild. wild. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Julia, who was your alpha of this week? Coach Finstock. Why? Besides just him being funny. Um, he is funny, but also the fact that he refuses to um, accept that Scott is not playing on the team, he like basically forces him to by saying that he won't uh, be on first line anymore, it really is kind of a catalyst for Scott really understanding how to uh, keep himself under control. Um, and no one died, so... Uh, you know, he's a funny character. I love that he sticks around through pretty much the entire series. Um, and he also is a really weird catalyst for change in Scott without even realizing it. So he is my, my alpha of the week. Hmm. I love him. Yeah. And, and who was yours? Who was mine? Yeah. Um, I think mine was Scott. Okay. I think Scott, <clears throat> this episode is very hard for Scott. We talked earlier about him kind of finding himself now having these two personalities, these two lives. Um, I think most people who live a double life go in willingly, and Scott was dragged there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, like, we in, in a very strange kind of way, like, Scott was basically, like, assaulted and then asked to be a different person. Oh, literally. Yeah. yeah no, it, it is, it, it is, it, uh, you mm -hmm. would never hear it phrased like that. Like, yeah. To get the way, like, to say, like, the werewolf's bite is a gift yeah, is it because Scott is changing 
Scott's entire life. He now has to think so much differently about the way he goes about his life. And then it is ultimately Scott who is able to reel back his werewolf self to become human again so that he doesn't hurt somebody he desperately cares about, you know? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of strength in Scott in this episode. I think it takes a lot of strength to tell Styles to not enjoy this. I think it takes a lot of strength to be, you know, hold yourself back from your animal instincts or whatever. I think Scott is a really... I think he is well on his way to becoming a true alpha. A true alpha snaps to that. We love it. We love to see it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. You guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. And from there, you can find our personal Twitters, Instagrams, whatever, stalk us, do whatever. If you have any questions about this episode, anything you guys made observations about that you want to share with us we would love to share them on next week's podcast hit us up on twitter and i don't know have a a wolf of a week (laughs) okay yeah no i like that wolf of a week cool Bye. bye